0: the live with squacky podcast is sponsored in part by min atlantic voiceover and antland productions it's fall you guys i'm so excited it's finally getting chilly outside when i go to work in the morning the leaves are changing colors we can go apple picking soon uncle roy's barbecue is right around the corner and then and then Mavo 2022 is coming up on November 11th through 13th in Herndon, Virginia. I am so excited. I don't even have words to express how excited I am. This is our seventh event that I'm hosting and running and organizing and presenting at. And it's going to be absolutely our most epic event so far. Our keynote speaker is Mark Rao, And well, I'll talk to you guys more about it later at the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I'm your host, Belle Kelly, otherwise known as Squacky Voice. Today, my special guest is Dan Leonard. It's a name in the industry that you should already know if you have any experience. But just in case you don't, Dan specializes in e-learning, corporate, and documentary narration. He also has become a recognized industry expert and consultant in home studio setup and problem solving, specifically for voiceover artists new to the industry or experienced but with little or no self-recording experience. He's the co-host of the popular weekly live webcast voiceover body shop, VOBS, with George Widom, which talks about home voiceover studios, presents guests from the voiceover industry and other industry news. Plus, he's the president of the World Voices organization, An Industry Association, representing voice actors with home studios around the world. We have so much to talk about, so let's dive right into this. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Dan.
1: It's my pleasure, Val. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. Can you start out by telling us how you got started in the voiceover industry?
1: I mean, how much time do we have? Well, you know, I started when I was in high school, essentially, which was back in the 1970s. (laughs) Actually, during like almost the Nixon administration. I started in high school. I was in theater, was on the announcing staff. And when I went to college, my undergrad was in broadcasting and I spent 12 years in radio and television in Buffalo and a short stint in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was a production director on air. I worked my way up to station management. And then about 1991, the radio business and I parted ways because I saw that it was going all automated, that it was, they changed the rules at the FCC for who could own stations. And there was lots of consolidation. And I said, there's no future in this for anybody who actually wants to make a living. And I got out of it, got in the insurance business for a while, which was fascinating, taught me a lot about cold calling and really being an entrepreneur And Then I went back to school, got my teaching certificate, taught high school for about three years, and decided that as much as I loved teaching, I couldn't stand the people who I worked for, which was several different administrations, because I find that in public education, it seems to be the job is to maintain the fact that their jobs are supposed to exist as opposed to doing their jobs. Kind of tough to take someone who had been in the private sector for a long time and throw them into a bureaucracy like that and expect things to work out well. And then I found myself home, being a stay-at-home dad, finishing my master's degree. And I mean, it's a great story, which maybe some people have heard, how I had to do my master's project. And my master's was in edu- you know social studies education and in creative studies. And uh, they had me doing a project about a famous jazz musician in Buffalo. I was living in Buffalo. That's where I grew up and spent most of my life. Very famous jazz musician by the name of Alan Tinney. This guy was in Buffalo. He had a little jazz quartet. Turns out he was in the original production of Porgy and Bess. And that through a number of circumstances, he is considered by several jazz greats as one of the real founders of bebop jazz after the war, about 1946, 1947. And I got to meet Al. I mean, I'd heard him play many times, interviewed him. He unfortunately passed away while I was finishing it up. And I decided perhaps I should interview the people that were closest to him. And I bought some digital recording equipment. And then it just suddenly struck me like, wait a second, if I can record digitally and edit and do all this stuff, and this is about 2001, shouldn't I be able to just do what I used to do as a production director and do commercials and that sort of thing? And so I went into one of the early search engines at that time and typed in voiceover. And as I like to say, it's like when Dorothy opens the door from a black and white house, into the color of munchkin land, there was this entire industry starting out. So I got really in on the ground floor of online voiceover, being able to take audio, turn it into an MP3 and emailing it to somebody or even some longer format stuff using FTP and those sorts of things. So I was an early adopter of that. People started asking me questions on the early social media. Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I also started consulting with people on how to set up their home voiceover studios. But I've been doing stuff for corporations, medical narration, commercials, everything across the board, animation, anything someone would ask me to do. And once you get a client, once I was able to establish a client with somebody, usually from one of the early pay to plays I just built them as a client and kept them as a client till now, actually.
0: That's such a great story. I feel like everyone has their own unique story when they're getting started. And it's always such an interesting path to hear how you ended up where you are today. So that's great.
1: Went right where it was I originally wanted to go. Just a couple of detours.
0: A couple of detours. That's so interesting that you were in education because I'm a French teacher as well. And so I kind of completely relate to the whole administrative thing that you're talking about. And it is difficult to deal with sometimes when you're in a public school system like that. And so... I can relate to that.
1: <laughs> I did hear that. I mean, I'm, at least I'm not alone. I loved teaching. I mean, I just really thoroughly enjoyed being in a classroom and educating young minds and developing individuals who would say, hey, I like what you do with the TV or video that you're doing. And they went on to careers in broadcasting, too. And that was really exciting. But it's also assisted me in what I'm doing in voiceover now, especially in my consulting work.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it definitely helped a lot. What are some common mistakes that people just starting out or even experienced voice actors make when it comes to home studio setup?
1: Overthinking it? (laughs) First off, asking questions on Facebook and LinkedIn amongst voiceover groups, because everybody's an expert in one studio, their own. I have built hundreds and hundreds of individual home studios. Every voice is different. Every room is different. And therefore, every particular situation, when somebody sets something up, it really has to be custom designed to them, or at least custom tuned. So it works for them. Some people tend to, when they first get in a voiceover, they tend to talk very loud because they think they're talking to a thousand people, as opposed to the one-on-one conversation that we're supposed to be producing as voice actors. The other thing by overthinking it is they overbuy. They spend way too much on equipment thinking that. If they buy a really expensive microphone, somehow that's going to miraculously change the way they read copy. And the fact of the matter is, is most engineers can't tell the difference between an average priced microphone, about $150 to $200, and a $10,000 microphone. And the difference between the expensive and the cheaper microphones is, is the expensive microphones are very, very sensitive. So therefore you will hear people rollerblading down the street if you're in a basement on the other side of the street and that's the big mistake people make they overbuy in processing or they buy the wrong interface because it's got all these features And the fact of the matter is is you don't need a lot of features right philosophy is everything when it comes to a home studio is primarily physical everybody else is like well we can clean that up with filters we can do this with that if you do it right up front It saves you time, effort, and the engineers on the other end who are getting your audio will really appreciate it because they don't have to spend time cleaning it up.
0: That's such great advice. I think I've heard so many people have been in that situation where they are like, you know, what's the best microphone? And it's going to make me sound so much better. And first of all, I'm not the person to ask (laughs) about (laughs) microphones. Go to an expert who knows studio equipment better than I do. I just know my own equipment that I have. And so- But I always tell people that advice because of running Mavo and things like that. People are always asking, what should I put in my home studio? And I'm like, I I don't know. Go ask Dan, go ask Uncle Roy, go ask any of the super pros. They're the ones who know what they're doing.
1: (laughs) And literally there is a handful of people on God's green earth who really understand what a home studio is about. I always use the acronym of WHISTLE, what it's supposed to sound like. And nobody knows, everybody's like, they're trying to satisfy their own ears. Like, I think I sound great. The problem is, is you don't hire you. And it's got to sound a certain way that is clean and properly modulated and proper microphone technique without any plosives and the right acoustical environment. And people are just like, no, I've got to clean it up so I can work in my bathroom, but still make it sound like I'm in a professional studio. (laughs)
0: How can talent seekers tell the difference between a professional and an amateur voice actor besides what we just talked about, as far as like the studio equipment? Is there more detailed well, things that they're looking for?
1: There's audio quality. I mean, if there's one thing I hear over and over and over again from producers, it's like, I won't work with somebody with a home studio because the last person I worked with, it sounded like they were, you know, in their basement and didn't have any acoustic and they don't really understand all these things. So, one of my missions is to get everybody to get it right. So that's a huge mistake is not understanding what it's supposed to sound like. So it's important to train yourself with those technological things or hire somebody who actually knows how to get you to sound the way it's supposed to sound to get yourself going and then not worry about it. Because your job as a voice actor is not to be an audio engineer. Your job right. is to be a performer and making it sound like whatever it is that's written in front of you is something you're saying for the first time off the top of your head.
0: When it comes to editing, what are your words of wisdom for the non-tech-savvy voice actors who are doing their best to make their auditions sound as professional as possible?
1: (laughs) It's like word processing. And it's like anything else. If you want to get good at something, you got to practice. There's a lot of different techniques. Everybody has their own way of doing things. Everybody has their own workflow for doing things. One of the smartest things you can do is not get something super sophisticated software wise. If you're on a Mac, Twisted Wave works fabulous. It's super duper simple and it doesn't sound different from anything else. Unfortunately, a lot of people say, well, you have to use the industry standard, which is Pro Tools. And there's no such thing as an industry standard, at least in our industry, which is being a freelance voice actor. If you're a studio engineer, yeah, it's the industry standard for what they do for mixing lots of different material together to create a finished product, but that's not what you're doing. You're simply providing them a properly modulated, clean mono file without any acoustical problems with it. The thing is, is the idea is not to sound great with your home studio. It's to sound like you, and that's what's unique about you, and that's what they're hiring that's a really important thing to think about when you're learning how to do these things with editing it's practice. It's a lot like word processing. You have to understand the patterns of human speech and it's not just one little thing here, one little thing there. It's going to make the difference. It's practice. I'm working on a podcast right now. I also produce podcasts and their audio is, and I keep saying it's gotta be good up front in order for me to do things. But the more I have to take things. So they're like, can you take all the ums out? Can you take out the you knows? <laughs> and it slides into the next word. And how do you make it sound like there's continuity there? And I have to it's like surgery and you have to practice yeah. it. And you're like, oh, this way would be better. And you learn something new every day when you're doing this kind of stuff. So don't expect yourself to say, oh, now I know how to edit. There are lots of techniques. And those are things that I teach people along the way. And Work with them individually to make sure that they're doing it the way that works best for them.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that's difficult to do. Just having firsthand experience with my own podcast, and Uncle Roy produces it for me, so he does I the helped. major. Yeah, he does <laughs> the major editing of everything, which is great. But I've learned a lot since I started. There has been a lot of improvement since I started, but. I think one of the most difficult things is, like you said, where people are saying, um, and they don't even necessarily realize that they're saying, um, or like, or whatever the word is that they repeat every five seconds. (laughs) But trying to splice that from the interview and make it sound... Like it flows. That is definitely something that I have found really challenging. And after a certain point, I was like, okay, Uncle Roy, this is, (laughs) I'm putting this in your hands from now on because it would just be almost cut off, you know, and I just don't have enough experience with that fine tuning of editing to be able to say, I know how to cut this and not make it sound like there's a gap there.
1: It's a skill. It's yeah. a professional skill. And that's one of the other things that separates the pros from the wannabes. You've got to be practice it. You've got to have been doing it for a while and knowing, again, whistle, what it's supposed to sound like.
0: Right. Well, let's talk about World Voices organization. Can you talk about why the organization was started and what the purpose of it is and why voice actors should seek membership?
1: The idea of an industry association really started in like 2007 at the first voice conference in Las Vegas, when I met several of the people who are still my dearest friends today. And we talked about, well, you know, we're now first time we ever got together as voice actors at a conference. The idea was maybe we should start an industry association. And the idea turned around for a while and somebody tried to start one and got some other people involved, including myself. And then it turned out that his only interest was taking money from people Four of us had worked together on trying to make this thing work, decided, let's go off and form an actual industry association. And what does an industry association do? It represents the people in an industry who produce something and promote the fact that the people that do it are very good at it and that what is best for everybody, which is setting standards, audio standards, best practices business wise best practices for coaches and demo producers, giving people what we thought was the questions that people need to ask when they're out there seeking help to make themselves more professional. Also communicating to the people who hire us that this is a profession that we have, as we were just talking, invested time in equipment. We've invested time in training we have invested time in learning how to you know do our own books and marketing and all these things and the people who are very good at it are professionals we are professionals and we're not a dime a dozen and when you want to hire somebody hire somebody that is certified as a professional which is one of the requirements we have for joining World Voices. You have to have a certain amount of paid jobs over the last 13 months. You have to have a web presence. You have to have a portfolio of work. You've got to prove that you're a professional. You're a vetted professional. So people can join as professionals if they qualify for that. But also, if they don't have those qualifications, they can join as an associate member. And we are working on a mentorship program and an educational program to get people to learn the things that make them a professional. Our philosophy is a rising tide floats all boats because when one person is not very good at what they're doing and they happen to book a gig by accident or something, they make everyone look bad. If they don't sound good, if they can't perform, if they're not directable, that sort of thing. We want people to live up to certain standards of conduct, of skill, Those sorts of things. And that's what an industry association does. So it's sort of a two sided thing raising the professional level of the people who are members and then letting people who hire us know that our members are professionals and that we needed to be treated as such.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, it's a really great organization. And for those of you that are listening, I definitely think. That if you're a professional voice actor and you have paid gigs and you meet all the requirements that you should look into becoming a member because it is an organization that can really help you a lot. And so I'll definitely put the link to the website in our show notes and everything like that so you guys can find out more information. Also, World Voices Organization is a silver-level sponsor at Mavo 2022 this year, coming up on November 11th through 13th. And I'm so grateful for that. So thank you so much And Dan, you're going to be a guest speaker at the event this year. Can you tell us about the sessions that you'll be offering there? Because attendees are starting to plan their weekend and your session should be high on their list of the ones to attend.
1: Gosh, I hope so. Having done a lot of conferences and doing this presentation many times, and as technology has adapted along the way, it's always fun doing this because, as we were saying earlier, I was a classroom teacher and I really enjoy the interplay between students and teacher and The presentation I have helps people really sound their best with the least amount of effort. I mean, there's a certain amount of effort you have to put into it. You've got to learn things. But there is so much mythology and misinformation out there about how to create good audio. One of my missions is to dispel all that mythology and keep things simple. That's really, really important. And I think people can come. One of the best parts about that is asking questions. I love answering questions mostly to say, whoever told you that is full of baloney. (laughs) Uh, And I get that a lot. So that's really, really important for people to understand because there's so much information out there. And he asked the question, I can clarify things for people. And it's just wonderful to watch this boulder taken off their shoulder and the intimidation that there is with home studio audio. I'm also going to talk about Wovo and let people know the things that we do with World Voices. Aside from the education, we also have a website voiceover.biz along with world-voices.org. Voiceover.biz is a searchable directory of our professional members. So if someone qualifies as a professional member, they get their profile on there, they get to put their demos on there, and it's searchable by demo title and content. It's like the pay-to-plays, except we're not acting as a middleman. If someone comes to our site and we are promoting it like crazy to producers and advertising agencies, the people, again, the people who hire us, look, you can go off and you can go to a pay to play, or you can like go through agents and stuff like that to try and find the person you want, or you can go to voiceover.biz and then you've got a roster of about 300, 400 people at the moment who are all professionals. And you can search by what it is specifically that you're looking for and listen to four or five or six and very easily make a determination who's going to be the best talent for your particular project. We also have a new demo player that's coming out in the next couple of weeks that's going to be a member benefit for joining the organization. Whether you're a professional or an associate, it's a demo player that you can put on your website. It says Wovo on it, but also you can put your logo on it and customize it to the colors of your website. It's real easy to use and everybody needs to have a website. So it's a great thing to have. Plus you can also embed it into emails and various other things. So if you send it to potential clients, they have your whole portfolio of demos right there in front of them just by clicking something. Mavo is a big conference. Everybody raves about that, which is why I was real excited to come this year.
0: Hi, it's Val Kelly from Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver, LLC. (laughs) And I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you guys about the upcoming Mavo 2022 Get Inspired Voiceover Conference. It's taking place on November 11th through 13th at the Westin Dulles Hotel in Herndon, Virginia. Our keynote speaker this year is the legendary Mark Grau, and he'll be joined by our awesome cast of super talented top-tier guest speakers, including Laura Schreiber, Scott Parkin, Everett Oliver, Jimmy Doom, Kim Herden, Yolanda Spearman, Ellie Ray Hennessy, Jason Lanier White, Tom Deer, Johnny Heller, Cliff Selman, Uncle Roy Yokelson Carol Monda, Rachel Naylor, J. Michael Collins, Dan Leonard, Rob Siglum and Jamie B. Chambers. Woo! That is a list, you guys. My gosh. The sessions that they're offering are really relevant to the industry and what's happening right now. They're performance-based. We have mastery sessions this year, which are three or four hour sessions that are super specialized and limited to 12 attendees each. These are performance based and it's really just going to be absolutely fantastic. Check out the website at www.midatlanticvo.com for all the session details, the schedule, the descriptions. Go ahead and get signed up for your mastery sessions and your breakout sessions if you choose to add those on. And otherwise, grab your general admission ticket. And, yeah, it's just going to be a great event. I want to say a quick thank you to our amazing sponsors, to Badalgo is our platinum sponsor. Our gold sponsor this year is the VoiceOver Network. We have Bel Air Creative and World Voices Organization that are our silver sponsors. And our bronze sponsor this year is Everett Oliver. Our tech sponsor this year is Sennheiser Neumann and they're gonna have a special demo booth set up so that you guys can try out some of their microphones. It's gonna be really epic to have them there in person. I'm so excited and I'm so grateful for that. Our in-kind sponsors this year are Hindenburg, voiceover extra and john florian jmc demos the voiceover collective and the voice acting institute i want to give a special thank you to uncle roy okelson for providing tech support and bagels for our upcoming mavo 2022 conference i will put all the links for all of these organizations in the show notes and you guys can go ahead and check those out but i would absolutely love to see you there i have put my heart and soul into planning this event and it would just absolutely make me the happiest girl in the world to see you all there. So I hope you'll consider it. Again, check out the website at www.midatlanticvo.com. And I'll see you guys soon. That's a wrap on part one of this episode. Tune in next week for part two of this great interview with Dan Leonard. Live was Blackie was mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Oakleson of Antland Productions. Lime with Squacky is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver LLC and Antland Productions.